Greetings, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. It's going to be wonderful because I'm joined by my co-host, Mel Urbacker. How are you going, Mel? I'm good, thanks, Scotty. How are you this week? Fantastic. Did you have a personal better Saturday on the weekend? I think everybody who went to Parkrun on Saturday had a personal better day. Did that equate to a PB day as well? Uh, no, not for me personally. I didn't get a, a time PB. How about you? Did you get a PB? No. Did you do your war- Did you do your warm up? I did. Did it improve your time? Um, that's a hard one to answer. It was a tough old day running on Saturday for me. The wind was up, and yeah, but I did do my warm up. I think it helped. It probably, you know, how we said I was supposed to do two k. Two k is too far. Yeah. Nah. I'm not ready for that warm-up just yet. So you didn't actually do that warm-up? No. You did a shorter version? I did about the 500-metre warm-up. Well, maybe the problem is 2K is the perfect distance and you should have done 2K. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Did it it take you one and a half to get warm when you were running after you'd done your 500 warm-up? It's hard to say. I felt good from the start. It was just I went out to gels which is quickly becoming, I think, my equal second favourite event. But the thing is with gels, it's a two-lap course. Now, I was never a fan of the lap courses. I was never a big fan of the out and back either. I like to go, you know, just do the one lap. Do you have a preference for either? Um, well, they all, they all have their, their attributes, I I like an out and back because it's very social and I like cheering on the runners and I get to see pretty much all the runners on out and backs, whereas laps people tend to overtake me and I'm only ever seeing the backs of them. But that being said, you know, there's there's always that mindset of, you know, it's more a mental game on a lap course. Is that what you find? That's what I'm finding. So Matt Ratchke visited Gels a few months ago. And he was banging on about how he loves lapped courses, how it's all mental. You know, he knows what's coming. And I'm starting to fall into his way of thinking that you, particularly if you just do a two-lap course, you can plan your run so much better. Um, You always know what's coming. I think you can judge yourself against previous runs a bit better because you're so more familiar with the actual track. And... I'm learning to love the two lap courses. Do you think you're twice as familiar because you do Absolutely. the lap yeah. twice <laughs> versus any other park run, which you might do an out and back, but even if you've done it before, you're not as familiar with it because it's you only do each thing once. Exactly. So I've only run gels about six or eight times, but I've run parts of the same track 18 times or whatever okay. the math is on that. Two times six is that's an interesting perspective. I think lap courses, irrespective of the amount of laps they have, they have this unspoken challenge to do a negative split on the second or the third lap. Exactly. So it doesn't matter how fast you are the first time round, you have to go faster the next time. Yeah, so the cool thing is at gels is so you go past the first lap, they call out the time. So I know exactly what I've got to aim for that second lap. I know I could do that just by looking at my watch. <laughs> that's that's extra work for their timekeeper. <laughs> what shouting out in time gives them something to do. Did you do a lap course on Saturday? 
No, I ran at Kiwana, which is an out and back. And see, this is this is part of the deals that I make with myself to keep myself running. On an out and back, I always start off with, I just have to run until I see the first runner. And then usually by the time the first runner comes through, I've convinced myself, no, no, I'll keep running until I see Adam, my husband. And then after Adam's come through, I'm so close to the halfway mark. It's like, oh, I'll just keep running to the lighthouse. And then I, there's a whole bunch of downhills. And so you make these deals with yourself. Adam wasn't actually running this week. He was volunteering. So I kind of had to make different <laughs> deals with myself this week to keep going. And I have you to blame for running all the way this weekend because I know you want to see my runs on Strava and I am really working hard to try and make that happen. <laughs> but then the, the thought entered my head that if I just let myself walk, you know, the last two or three kilometres, it'll look like I went out hard and solid and then I just died in the ass. And I thought, ah, oh, I can't let Scotty see that I didn't run, you know, at least fairly consistently for the whole 5K. So you kept me running on Saturday. Oh, great. Yeah, it was the pressure. I'm not sure how great I felt about it on Saturday, but I was pleased afterwards that I hadn't stopped and walked. So the, my pressure of checking out your Strava feed has worked. There's only one problem with that. <laughs> I'm still not on Strava. So you never had to know. No. But that's, that is just the kind of girl I am. I'm very honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that if I could have seen your Strava feed that you ran the whole way, that would have made me happy. Also would have made me happy just to see your Strava feed and see that you walked the last couple of hundred metres as well. Well, I didn't walk the last couple of hundred metres. I actually caught up to um, a young park runner. He's he's an early teen. His name is Jack. And he was running with the family greyhound, Nellie, this week. And Nellie, she's all sprint for the first 500 metres and then she does die in the ass for the rest of the park run. And I have actually literally seen her stop five metres from the finish line and bluntly refused to go any further, um, no matter how much coercion was happening. So I caught up to them at about three kilometres as well. And Jack did a good job of being very encouraging. Um, they weren't running at that point, so they started running again when they saw me and they kept pace with me. But for the last kilometre, he's like, okay, Mel, this is where we sprint. This is where we sprint to the finish. And I told him he was mad and that I was no way going to start sprinting that far away from the finish line but I did stretch out and probably for about the last 200 meters I, I ran faster so that was very cool as well. So how far off a PB are you? Um, About three minutes. Do you think we can get there by run number 100? I have six runs to go to run 100. 30 seconds per run. I don't think that's possible. I do. I have faith. Well, it's possible. I don't think it's likely. <laughs> Let's look at it that way. Hmm. Let's think about it. We've got a goal. Six weeks out. Now, we have a podcast that's based around Parkrun. So our next guest, we thought we'd go and chat to the Chief Operating Officer of Parkrun Global. We've had him on the pod before. Welcome, Tom Williams. 
Thanks, Scott. Great to be back. Now, Tom, but we're going to talk to you today about Tom the Park Runner, not Tom the Big Boss of Park Run. Uh, can you separate the two? Yeah, I do. I, I, I can separate the two. Actually, I have. To, I try really hard to. It, it's um, it, so. I'm sure we'll go back into the into kind of my own history of parkrun, but for, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people who end up getting more involved in parkrun, you, you one of the dangers is you lose the purity of your parkrun experience. So it's really hard for, for me when I go to a parkrun event on a Saturday. Um, uh, you know, if I'm seeing I don't know dogs running off leads or or under 11s running on their own or whatever, whatever it is, it's really hard for me to kind of park that, um, and 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 not kind of get involved, and then. You know, we all like the kind of really chilled out, go to park run, have a coffee afterwards, relax for the day. And you can kind of lose that sometimes when it beco- when it becomes your job. So I work really, really hard to to be on a particularly on a weekend, on a Saturday and a Sunday, park runner a six zero one three, and and try and forget everybody else, not everybody else, forget everything else. Tom, I I know exactly what you mean by when you see you know a dog running off leash or a child that's under 11 or something like that and it doesn't appear to be with a parent but do you also have the problem that sometimes you you want to put on some dark glasses and wear a hoodie and just you know go somewhere that your face isn't going to get recognized yeah I do and I've always found it a a real um a real dilemma so so when I'm going to an event I've not been to before um, which I often do, just as a as a tourist. I'll be at my mum's or something down south, and we'll go to. We'll just want to go and run an event we've not run before because we're park runners like like anybody else. And um, I always feel like if I write to the team and tell them I'm a coming, I'm coming. I feel that's a bit pretentious, and you know, like hello everyone, I'm coming. And I, and I, <laughs> so I feel really uncomfortable doing that. But then I feel really uncomfortable if I just turn up and don't tell them, almost like I'm kind of expect inspecting them, and it's been some surprise audit and so I, I can't I get really stuck and I typically and, and of course sometimes you change your mind don't you on a Friday where you're going to go so typically on a Friday I'll, I'll just post on social media for the event I might be going to for the new event and if and just say if I don't know them and just say oh I'm, I'm popping down tomorrow I'll, I'll come say hi but yeah it's really awkward and, and you know I, I my local runs at Fountain Abbey and Harrogate and, and Leeds what Woodhouse Moor it's called now my three nearest runs to me and I just kind of blend in there and because I've been there so many times I definitely don't and I would be silly if I announced myself going there um it's great because I really add I just blend into the background and I think in even at Woodhouse Moor I think people which is the one I I kind of was part of the, the founding team of in 2007 I think most people there don't even know who I am and, and that I started it and and that's cool, and I enjoy that. And then, you know, when I go to other places, it, sometimes it'd be nice to to blend in, but at the same time, you know, it's it's really important to meet the people who who, who my decisions impact on on a, on, a, on a weekly or even daily basis. So when you know when I say something like, right, you can only have one, you can only run with one dog, not two dogs anymore, which is a a big decision we made many years ago. You need to meet the people on the ground and really get to know them and understand them. And, and as importantly, they need to know you so that when you make those kind of decisions, A, you maximise chance of being the right decision. And B, sometimes when they don't agree with you, they will people will still accept that decision because they understand you as a person and know you'd have made it for the right reasons. Well, let's go back to 2007. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, did you discover Parkrun before that? No, so I, I, in fact, I was looking yesterday at um, 
when I registered because a friend of mine who I went on to work with a bit, he now works for England Athletics, a guy called Andy Anstey. We didn't know each other at the time. I was based up north. He was based down south. He wasn't working for England Athletics and I wasn't working for Park Run. And we both registered on the same day, it turns out, the 4th of August 2007. We His barcode is 6008 and mine 6013. We then ran our first ever Park Run at Bushy Park Run on the same day, not knowing each other. And it was probably another six or seven years, six years before work brought us together. And we kind of had that whole question, oh, are you Park Run, are you Park Run? When was your first one? Oh, same as mine. And, and we realised we were kind of, uh, you know, there was, I don't know what serendipity is it, but it's where we'd kind of done that same thing on the same day. Um, I saw it in Runners World. So I was a Ironman triathlete um, based in Leeds in Yorkshire working at the University of Leeds as a lecturer in sport and exercise science. Um, and I'd seen, I think a month or two before, I'd seen um, a week, a monthly event that Serpentine um, Running and Triathlon Club put on, which was, I think it was a 5K once a month, and it was a pound or something. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. Um, but it didn't quite... Um, catch my attention and then a month or so later I saw an advertisement or, or some results maybe from uh, in Runner's World um, of what was then called um, Bushy Park Time Trial and, and the kind of the collection was called UK Time Trials um, and I just saw you know as many of us do I just saw three weekly timed 5k run and, and I thought that's amazing that's just amazing what a wonderful concept I wonder how I could bring it to Leeds? Could I do the same thing? Could I copy it in Leeds? Um, and we didn't really know how to do it. And I was away a lot of weekends with Helen because we were both doing triathlon to a reasonable level. And we were really busy, or so we thought we were before. The, what the, the level of busy you are before you have kids when you think you're busy, but you actually are not. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so we were mulling that over in our heads. And I couldn't work out how to do it. And there was no obvious um, desire for what was called time trial, UK time trials then to expand and I got invited to a meeting at the University of Leeds and, and we were looking for a way to engage the students with the community around volunteering and sport and then light bulb came on in my head and I thought I know what I'll do I'll write the delivery of what was then called was then going to be called Hyde Park time trial because there's a Hyde Park in Leeds not the Hyde Park in London um, I'll write the delivery of Hyde Park time trial into the sport and exercise science course at the university. So instantly at the stroke of a pen, we had 140 volunteers on our volunteer register <laughs> before <laughs> it even started. So, so yes, yeah, so that was cool. So I remember, uh, you, you know, that was probably this, the July, July stroke, August 2007. I registered for Park Run, went down to Bushy Park. Um, the London Triathlon was on, I think. And so I, I, I nipped over in the morning of the London Triathlon and did Bushy, loved it. Then we brought it back to Leeds and we started Hyde Park time trial in, in on part one's third birthday. I think it was the um, first weekend of October in 2007. It, by then it was the fourth time trial and it was the first one outside London. And that was it. And, and we, we thought that would kind of be it, really. Like I, I didn't... Um, I guess like many of us, you know, you, you see it initially, you think, great, free weekly time run, that'd be fantastic, let's get involved, and you you think you'll do it just like anything else, and you, you don't realise that, that how life-changing it'll become, um, you know, and, and we, we set it up, and the idea really was to set it up as for the, for the students at the university to engage with the community and kind of forget it. Um, 
and and you know run every now and again and and here we are however many years later Helen's done 210 I've done 196 it's taken us around the world it's changed our lives our kids I think Rosie's well Rosie's five next month and I think she's probably missed three or four part run weekends um in her life but she refuses to do it um so yeah, so there we go. She's registered though, yes. No, she refu- she she refuses. So she, she um, it's quite a funny story. So Helen set up uh, my wife Helen set up Harrogate Junior Park Run a year almost a year ago now, and in the build up to that, she was her and uh, some of her core team were going to shadow the team at Roundhay Juniors, and um, on, Rosie was three, and on the way there, Rosie said, "Oh, can I, Daddy, can I do can I do it?" And I said, "No, you can't because you're not four years old, and you've got to be four years old." And she, you know, she's a bright little thing. She knew full well she was how old she was. Anyway, so we go, we go to Roundhay Juniors, and and Helen's off shadowing the team, and some friends of ours say, "Oh, we'll take Rosie. They had kids the same age, and and we'll wander around the park." So they wander around the park, and they come back without her. And of course, you know, your friends come back without your three-year-old daughter. You're like, "Where? Well, where's Rosie? Oh, she's doing it." And I look up, and she's she's running with the tail runner. And so she gets to the finish line. And uh, I'm really embarrassed because one of the core team from Roundhay, particularly, Ard, ha- had let their kids run a company years ago, and Ard, Ard told them off about it. Um, and so the boot was on the other foot. There was my three-year-old daughter running um, at, on her own at juniors, and Rosie had lied to the to the tail runner and said she was four. So the tail runner had said, "How old are you?" And she had said four. <laughs> having had the conversation on the way there that you can't do it because you're only three, and she knew it. Um, smart and then of course she turned, she turned four, yeah, really smart, and she turned four a little bit, you know, later, and has refused to do it ever since. So she's never run one. Um, <laughs> ever. And I, think, I think she will when her brother does, and her brother's just turned two, so she got a couple of years, I think, of, and then I think Aston will do it because he's keener on those sort of things, and then she'll she'll come along. But you, you know, this is a this is a great example of what part run has brought to me as a part runner, as a person, and to, and to my family in that. Um, you know, we've always been active, Helen and I, we'll always be active. Whether part run came along or not, we would have always been active. Um, it's given us loads of friends that we otherwise w- wouldn't have had, I'm sure. But, you know, we've always had we've had good friends and stuff like that. Um, we've volunteered, which we hadn't really volunteered for stuff before. So that's been a real difference for us. But really importantly, you know, it, it's given us things to do as a family together so every Sunday we go to juniors Helen will volunteer she's the event director of Harrogate juniors and me and the kids will just mess around in the park we'll feed the ducks we'll collect sticks we'll do whatever sit and have a tea cake I'll have a coffee we'll they'll play but it's our only compulsory thing in the house is that we all go to the park on a Saturday and Sunday morning for part run and junior part run but the the ki- the kids are under no pressure to to do it as long as we're outside. So on this Saturday we went to Fountains Abbey and Helen ran and me and the kids played hide and seek and went climbing in the Abbey, which is a World Heritage Site uh, Abbey. is absolutely amazing. And then on the Sunday we did the same with juniors and they just ran around the park and fed the ducks and all that kind of stuff. So it it's got our family out in a social, active outdoor environment now twice a week as part of our routine. Um, doing stuff together for free, which is great. And otherwise, we, you know, we'd probably be at home and Rosie would say, can I watch the telly? And, and it just wouldn't, you know, it's really, really, really changed the life of our family, which is wonderful. You mentioned earlier, Tom, that Parkrun has taken you all over the world and we're all about the adventures. 
what are some of the most interesting park runs you've done? What stick out in your memory? Well, it's it's amazing, really. We, we never really... So we did dream it would be like this, but we... I don't know if we know what that we knew what that meant. So you know, when I spoke to Paul in two thousand and seven, he said, "Wouldn't it be great if there was a park run in every every town in the world?" But you know, you can't. I think with all real game changes in the world, there's an element of delusion there, and you have to be deluded to think you can achieve something that any sensible expert would think was impossible. Um, and every now and again, you actually right, you weren't deluded, and you were right. And we we kind of getting there which is which is amazing so here we are in 2016 um and i'm certainly not what i would call uh uh you know the, the touristy of tourists i've done 72 different events out of my 196 um and it you know i've done where have i done abroad i've done chrissy field in san francisco i've done a few in south africa um i've done um where was i recently in canada um i've run the courses of freedom runs in sweden i, I think you know it's, it's really interesting so probably one of the most uh, i i just like saying, saying decide between your kids isn't it so I, <laughs> I, I love all of our park runs the same and i really do and and you know i learned that early on really early on when i started hard part time uh, Hyde Park time trial we're now Woodhouse Moor Park Run when it was a I think it was the first multi-lapper so it was three laps of a of a like a city centre park whereas previously there'd kind of been one lap over sort of royal parks like Bushy and so on and everybody was, was sort of saying well three laps of a tarmac path in a park in the middle of a city centre be a bit dull and they get you know 400 runners a week and it's amazing and it's been going for years and years and years and it's a huge success and it really taught me that actually um a park run being amazing or interesting or beautiful is 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 so much deeper than than the kind of what it looks like you know what it looks like and some of the more expected things i think probably for me the most eye-opening if that's the right word was when i was in south africa last year for my dad's 70th birthday so uh, my dad's south african he was living there at the time um, and it was his 70th and he was, wasn't going to be doing a great deal of stuff. So I said, look, why don't I come over? And it's a bit extravagant. Why don't I come over for the weekend and spend a few days with you? Um, but you're 70, you're not 70 very often. So, um, I went over to South Africa and we went to a game reserve for the weekend. So we went to a game reserve just North of Johannesburg called the Pillandsburg, I think it was called. Um, and so there we are on safari in Africa and on the Saturday morning, we nipped out to the local town and did a park run. Um, which was such an odd experience. I mean, I grew up a lot of my time in Africa, um, and so I'm kind of used to being in the bush and on safari and all those kind of things. But to do that and nip out to a park run and was just sur surreal almost, really. Uh, and it was wonderful. And then to finish the park run, have a cup of coffee, and then nip back to safari and carry on seeing leopards and cheetahs and lions and stuff was, uh, was amazing. Is the average British parkrunner aware that parkrun is blowing up all around the world? Like, do they know that South Africa is taking off and it's going to be massive in Australia, Canada? It's a really good question. Yeah, it's a really good question. Look, I think regardless of the country, I, I, I think there's a real mixture of, of some people who 
who who get that they're part of this huge great thing. So this weekend we had a record attendance globally of 158,000 runners um, across juniors and Saturdays around around the world. And some people are really aware of that, and I guess they follow part run on social media and they see all those posts. But there's a huge number of people, and I, and I think this is wonderful, there's a huge number of people who really think Park Run is just their event and that's it. And, and it was highlighted the other day by one of the directors on the board of Park Run Global um, was, chatting to, was chatting to me and he said uh, he, he'd met somebody, just some random person, um, at a meeting somewhere or wherever it was and said, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Park Runner. And without asking which event or anything, the person he spoke to just said, oh, well, I haven't seen you there. <laughs> and they just think that, you know, it's just that, what I don't know which one it was, you know, uh, Bromley or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah they just thought, well, how, what do you mean? <laughs> so so I think you're right. I think a lot of people think it's just their local event and a lot of people under, get it. But, you know, that's part of, uh, in, in some ways, I feel like we're doing our job right if people think Park Run is just their little local event and in some ways we're doing our job wrong of course I get I get that but there's something nice isn't there about um having a a brand that is so global and so you know big we're up to 800 and and sorry 960 uh live events at the moment and yet at the same time it's so true to a to a local initiative that people who go regularly think it's just that's that's all there is to the part run world Look, we make no secret about it. You know, the, the name of our podcast is The Adventurers and we want to see people get out and adventure to as many park runs as they want. But we also come across plenty who are just very happy going week in, week out, back to their same event. Yeah. It's yeah. part of the magic. You know, I, yeah. Yeah, I, and I I would always urge people to, to travel and explore different park runs because you, you just see the world in a way you never thought you would. But I've got at the same time you've got people in two fifty club in places that have only ever run at their event, and that's cool too. I mean, you know, it's part ones whatever you want it to be. I mean, but you know, but I do I do remember years ago, me and two friends, um, Steve Darby, who's a well known part run tourist, uh, and another friend of ours called Guy, who is who's much more runs at Woodhouse more part run and doesn't travel so much. We decided the three of us on the shortest Saturday of the year. Oh, probably must have been four or five years ago now to run all the Yorkshire Park Run courses in a, in a day, and there was only ten at the time, so it wasn't masses of running fifty kilometres through the day, but um, it was the shortest Saturday of the year. So, and there was a lot of driving, so it start really early in the cold and dark, and we finished quite late in the cold and dark. But anyway, there were ten events in Yorkshire, and we ran all ten of them in a day. I think Hull Park Run was the live one, and we'd done a couple before then, and then and then carried on for the rest of the day. Remember, they start at the unbelievably late time of nine o'clock in the morning compared to you guys in Australia. Um, and it really blew Guy's mind that suddenly someone, I think he'd probably only run Woodhouse Moor Park Run at the time, you know, and, and he saw these 10 Park Run events in Yorkshire that were all different and all beautiful. And actually, you really do just see the most wonderful things if you travel. And the communities are always so nice, you know. You can go to, Gork- you know, I'm going to... For International Park Run Day this year, I'm going to Russia, so I'm, I'm running. I don't know which event I'll be doing yet, but I'm, I'm going to be in Russia for that Saturday. A couple of weeks later, I'm going to Poland for Poland's fifth anniversary, and I'll be running in Poland. And I, I get that it's slightly different because of my my job title, 
But actually, any park runner could go to any park run in the world and get welcomed with open arms as a member of the family. And, you know, every day we hear stories of people being picked up from airports and put up for, with accommodation. I've already had an accommodation offer on this before we recorded today. You know, Mel, you said come and, <laughs> come and crash with us in Noosa, you know. Yeah, but you're welcome uh, not, anytime. You know, Sunshine Coast. And that's, um, that's, that's park run, isn't it? Like, you know, just because you're a big part of Park Run Australia and I'm a big part of Park Run kind of in the UK, actually those same conversations happen between regular Park Runners who've never, who've never met each other before when somebody just posts, you know, an, I don't know, an American Park Runner post on a Russian Park Run Facebook page, I'm coming over for a holiday and suddenly they're, they're best mates, you know, it's wonderful. Tom, I'm a little bit excited that I think you just revealed the original origins of Longest Run. Um, you're talking oh, yeah. about yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing the 10 events in the one day on the shortest day. And um, you may be aware that um, this has been adopted in Australia as well. And we tried it yeah. the first year on the long, well, your shortest day, which yep, your longest was day, very yeah. long and in the middle of our summer and did not yeah. work very well at all <laughs> for the runners. So we've switched it to the shortest day uh, okay. in Australia. So we do it in the winter at the winter solstice yep, or cool. the Sunday closest to that. Um, but we traditionally only do seven events. And I would yep. certainly agree with you that it is a fantastic opportunity to take park runners who who do love their communities and they love participating in the same place with their same friends every week, but getting them out there to see what else is available within their local surrounds. And so many of them have never experienced these courses and so many of them also say at the end, wow, I think I might go back there on a park run day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, so I, we, we, the longest park run really started, I think, from when some members of the core Bushy team did that. They did seven, I think it was seven. It was either six or seven park runs in uh, West London where Bushy Park Run is. And they cycle between them. Um, and that was quite early on. Um, if I was going to guess, I'd say it was 2008, 2009. And then um, it grew a little bit, as these things do. So they, they I think part, well, we probably kind of promoted it a little bit and it grew. And then I think they did it again the following year around Bushy in West London. And then I think the following year there was a few. So there's one in the kind of the Midlands and one up north, I think, and one in London. And then we realised that it wasn't something that we could support formally because actually the extension was going to be you'd have this day of a year where there were 50,000 people getting in their cars and driving around parks and actually because that we're not normally in the parks at that time and, and they're very different places and people do challenging things and, and might you know crash their car because they're tired or whatever it was the risks of being associated with a massive, great national and global event that we couldn't control um, just w wasn't something we could really f support formally. And I really learned that when I did the Yorkshire the one. So what I did was I thought it'd be really great to do all the Yorkshire ones in a day. Um, let's get other people to, to join us. So we, I put something on Facebook and said, you know, who wants to come with us? And I mean, literally like 100 people wanted to do it. And... Um, Somebody pointed out to me at the time, Chris Wright, who was working for us back then, Crispy, he said, look, you know, you're mad because it's the shortest day of the year, it's freezing cold, it's dark, it's icy, the weather's going to be terrible. Do you really want a convoy of, a, of you know, 
20 cars with 100 people like following you around what when when happens when someone skids on the ice and crashes or whatever it is it'd just be a nightmare so I said you're absolutely right so I cancelled it except for with my two mates Steve and Guy and then we did it just as the three of us in a car and what what it taught us was that actually those sort of things are really fine to do as a small friendship group on your own um, but they're much, much more challenging to do it as a big organised thing. So yes, absolutely agree. We we don't we don't <laughs> call it longest park run in Australia, and it's organised cool. yeah, yeah, by park runners who want to go along to those events. But Perfect. Uh, yeah, we call it longest <laughs> run, and um, completely not affiliated with park run, and we're very clear yeah. about that as that, well. That's me struggling to split my my uh, chief operating officer and and uh, <laughs> three heads. Well, actually, yes. what are you going to do if somebody crashes their car? Who's going to be responsible for that? <laughs> it's, what, it's, what, it's what goes on in my head. Well, and of course, our insurance is only for Saturday events. So, yes. you know, and we do it on a Sunday. So it's, yeah, completely not parkrun. We just use parkrun courses. And yeah. Absolutely. And it's wonderful, isn't it? And I support it. You know, I do it. I do that sort of thing every year with a group of friends from Scotland. Um, and this year we went round about 20 Yorkshire ones before we've done Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland. And it's really, really, really good fun. It's a wonderful thing to do. And of course, with the the weakness of our model of park run being every single week means if you want to do lot, visit lots of courses, you kind of have to do them in your own time, don't you? Absolutely. Scotty and I have aspirations to just take a small group of people on a park run adventure, you know, away for a week or 10 days and just try and do as many park runs as we can in a given area. Oh, cool, cool. You also host... Dare I say the most popular running podcast <laughs> in the world? Oh, it's probably not most popular in the world. It's the number one in the UK, and it, it, we, it, it does all right. We have about twelve thousand listeners a week to Marathon Talk. I think some of the American ones um, uh, get more listeners. Probably America's a big place, and they're a bit, possibly a bit more tech savvy, maybe and used to podcasts. But yeah, it does. It, you know, we're really Martin Yelling and I are really proud of it, and it's been going for six and a half years, and. We've interviewed some pretty cool people. We've interviewed some pretty cool Australians, actually. Um, Kurt Fernley is probably one of our all-time top interviews. I think if we do a poll of our listeners, like name your top ten guests, Aussie Paralympian Kurt Fernley would, would I'd have thought it would be in the top three. He was an amazing interview, amazing character. But we've also had people, who else have we had? I think we've had Marty Dent on, Steve Monaghetti, Rob DiCostella. Um, we've had a load of pretty cool Aussies. It's it's fun. Yeah. Naming a lot of park runners there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they all. Um, so what? How did the link? Well, what came first, the podcast or park run? And is there a link oh, park between run, the two? Uh, that's a really, really uh, interesting question, actually. So park run started obviously in two thousand and four, and I came along in two thousand and seven. So I'd kind of been involved in park run since then, and then Martin Yelling and I. So Mart's a kind of ex elite athlete. He's married to Liz Yelling, who's a double Olympian in in the marathon. And her PB is two twenty eight for the marathon. Um, and Martin and I did our first Ironman on the same day. So two in Aust- Ironman Austria in two thousand and six. We were both staying in the same hotel and we'd met each other through a, a mutual friend. And so from 2006, Martin and I had known each other and and we'd always thought we should we'd do something together. We couldn't quite work out what it was. Um, 
And then in 2009, so quite a long time after I got involved in Park Run, but in 2009, Mark rang me up one day and said, you know, do you want to do a, a podcast? Um, we weren't quite sure what we'd do it on. And then I, but I was a listener to, um, a really dedicated listener to Iron Man Talk, which it was called at the time, now called IM Talk, which is a really brilliant um, New Zealand-based triathlon podcast predominantly about Iron Man. Um, and um, Bevan James Isles and, and uh, John Newsom are the two hosts there. And we contacted Bevan and John for some kind of advice. And Bev was, they were both amazing, but you know, we spent a lot of time chatting to Bev. And Marathon Talk was born. And so um, that was, I think we started in January 2010. And there have definitely been real links between the two. It's really quite often that that I meet people and say, how did you get involved in Park Run? And, and they'll say, well, I heard about it on Marathon Talk. Particularly also some of the some of the travelling stuff. So, you know, you, when I was in Canada two weeks ago at the launch of, of Okanagan Park Run in a town called Kelowna in, um, in, in Canada... And, you know, we went out for runs there and, and there were Marathon Talk listeners there. And, in fact, we were, we were hanging out with Ellie Greenwood, who um, lots of your listeners will know, I'm sure. Ellie is the has won Comrades Marathon before. She's won Western States. I think she's got the course record for Western States. You know, one of the greatest endurance runners of all time. And she's she's been on the show. She listens to Marathon Talk. And through that relationship, we met up in, in Canada. And I'm sure she's going to, you know, get involved in Part One Canada in the same way some of the Aussie legends that we we mentioned earlier have got involved with Part One in Australia, and that, that's kind of come through the show. And I think when we started Part One South Africa, I'd interviewed Bruce Fordyce, who's who's the greatest ever comrade to run. Although he wouldn't say that, but he, I'm pretty pretty sure he is either him or I guess Wally Haywood. But we interviewed Bruce before Bruce knew about Part One. Then Bruce was coming to the London Marathon to run it. Paul. Sinton Hewitt, our founder, did kind of know Bruce from back in the day. I think he'd seconded Bruce at Comrades years ago, um, but had sort of lost touch um, with Bruce. And so I, I said to Bruce, that you're coming over, let's meet up at a park run. I introduced him, reintroduced him to Paul. We all went to Bushy Park Run. I remember it, we all went to Bushy Park Run. Um, and then, you know, we Paul said to Bruce, you know, why don't you bring Park Run South Africa and Bruce and Jill then have taken it from there. So even, you know, South Africa starting with Bruce Fordyce, probably there was a, a quite a strong marathon talking there. And you're still doing it now. Yeah, straight after this, actually. Yeah. yeah. So how how much of your time does it take up? Um, less than it used to. So, um, you know, as you guys, I mean, Scott, I know you, into, you, you edit your show and I used to edit Marathon Talk and um, it, those sort of things take a whole lot of time. When we got some sponsors on board, we were able to pay for the editing to be done. So Ian Corliss, who does a podcast called uh, Tour Culture, Ian edits the show for us uh, now, which is great because that's probably about four hours work to edit a 90-minute show, two-hour show. Um, so we don't do that anymore. So and we Martin and I alternate the show notes, which is the, the notes we use to, to present the show. And we alternate roughly the interview. So I'd say, I worked it out the other day, what does it take? It takes um, about two hours to record the show, about two hours, which we do every week, both of us obviously, two hours to write the notes, which we alternate, um, and probably about two hours to do an interview, including the prep for it, unless it's somebody who's really legendary and we need to do a whole load of research. And I have, you know, previously with some people, I've, you know, read a couple of whole books and spent, you know, a few weeks researching someone to do an interview. Um, but uh, yeah, general. So yeah, I don't know. What do I spend on it? Five, six hours a week, maybe. But it's fun. It's a it's a break from 
from worrying about risk assessments. <laughs> so when people come up and have a chat to you at Parkrun, do they want to talk about Parkrun or Marathon Talk? Um, both, actually. I, I think probably... Um, uh, there'll, be, there'll be a lot more, obviously, a lot more part runners there than Marathon Talk listeners. But you know, Marathon Talk listeners, I think, really feel that they know me. I mean, you know, when and Mar, I mean, when we started in 2010, you know, I didn't have kids. I think Ruby, his daughter, was really young, but he didn't have the twins. He, you know, we've moved houses, we've changed jobs, we've had children, you know, all these kind of things. Um, and we share them on the show. So, so as I'm sure your listeners feel with you, if people feel that they really know you, and that's a wonderful thing. And it's a, it's a, you know, we Martin and I took the conscious decision to share, within reason, to share personal stuff, to, to have that relationship with people. So then I think that makes marathon talk listeners feel more comfortable coming up and saying hi and and chatting about stuff. And because there's normally you know they can say oh how's Rosie because if she's been ill because they'll know or, or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's nice. It's nice. You know, I think before. Before Park Run and Marathon Talk and lots of other things, you know, here in the UK, things like there's a great initiative here called Good Gym, um, a whole load of stuff. You know, running had got a bit serious and a bit kind of segregated and, you know, clubs didn't really speak to each other or meet each other and faster runners didn't really meet with slower runners. And, you know, how did you hear about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rob D. Costello's history or Steve Monaghetti or in the UK Steve Jones or Paula Radcliffe or there aren't really in-depth interviews of those and the connections and that they've been all been fragmented I felt as a whole and now I feel like we're in a much you know better position where running is much less fragmented and much more together and you know you had Ron Clark on I think he was on he was a member or president of Part Run Australia wasn't he when um when he was still alive in the early days and and we I interviewed Ron on on marathon talk through that connection through that part run connection tim introduced me to ron ron and you know that that link where you have those legends of the sport who really get the purity of participation at grassroots level is 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 wonderful and i think part run has has given that link for people like that to connect with the real world Tom, we are both big fans of Marathon Talk and bigger fans <laughs> you. of your work with Parkrun. <laughs> we have so many more questions. We think this is going to have to be a, a, a two-part series or possibly more, so we're going to have to have sure, you back on the show. Like. I could talk but... all day about running and Parkrun. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. No, thank you. Honestly, it's a, it's an absolute honour it really is an honour to be on it and I feel really blessed to be involved in something to that everybody loves so much and it's it's entirely you know it's entirely a team effort you know it's uh, you know I work whatever I work on part around 40 or 50 hours a week or something but we have a hundred and fifty thousand volunteers I'm not counting them recently but you know there's hundreds of thousands of people doing stuff every week to make what happens happen and just to be a small part of that is is so humbling and I, I, you know, I really do mean that and I, I'll always be I, I may not always work part run but I'll always be part runner a6013 and my wife will always be a6014 um, and that's that's really cool so thank you for inviting me We are now three weeks into our Strava art competition. 
the entries are flowing in, flooding in. There's still plenty of time to enter. Let's just remind you all of the assortment of prizes on offer. Option P, mystery prize of undisclosed value. Option A, we've already gone through the first two, one-of-a-kind costume, accessory, personally crafted by Mel, plus a one-of-a-kind certificate, personally designed and created by me. The reveal for the third prize from option A, I'm going to leave to my co-host, Melissa Urbecker. All right, guys. We know this is what you've been waiting all podcasts for. The third prize for option A is two DVDs, one of each from our top 10 fave movies signed by us. How's that for random? Completely. But they're great movies. And who wouldn't want our autographs? Exactly. And there's a little bit of mystery involved because you won't know what movie you're getting until you open that package. (laughs) Don't you love surprises? Yeah, if of course you go for option A as opposed to option P. So get Strava art in, people. Must be a member of the Parkrun Adventures Strava Club. Easy to do. And remember, we're looking for something that's a little bit creative. Extra points for... Well, we're not going to, we shouldn't say, should we, Mel? What do you mean we shouldn't say? We shouldn't say the judging criteria. All we, all we want is that you go a little bit outside in your thinking in creating the map. Well, we've told everyone that it's the one that most closely resembles the actual original wins. Well, that's a given. So that's criteria right there. But we do have extra criteria. Yeah, we've seen a few on ovals. Ovals may or might not win. Definitely a good way to practice and... and Practicing on ovals is good, yeah. Shall we say, we are increasingly impressed with the really, really, really big maps that have streets and all sorts of other stuff negotiated on them. Streets are good. I'm from the streets. I relate to the streets. Let's head over to the rest of the social media scene, shall we? We'll start with Instagram because that's Scotty's favourite. This week we had underscore PK checking in to say it was Medibank private personal better day at Parkrun this morning. Aren't you glad you now know that? Great to have Medibank as a major sponsor of Parkrun and to be able to encourage everyone to achieve their personal better today. So proud of our community and all who help make a difference. I'm loving your use of the dad joke in there, underscore PK. So there's not, not enough dad jokes on our podcast. And yes, that is an open invitation. Hmm. There's a lot of dad jokes off the podcast. We'll let you know. <laughs> Scotty never lets those make it to the final cut. <laughs> you say, don't you dare put that on. Uh, what are you talking? I encourage them. Dirty cheaters. The Cheetah Sisters were looking pretty scary on the weekend at Curl Curl Park Run as they invaded Curl Curl. I don't know if the scary was the right word, but it's a good look for the Cheetahs. Oh, I think they were doing a good impersonation. Simon P. King said, I made it along to Park Run's only event in Asia for a hit out. Being in holiday mode for the last month and struggling to adapt to the humidity of Asia, I was pretty happy with my resulting 5K time. There was some suffering, however, getting there. Hats off to runners across Asia. It's just so intense working out in these conditions. I reckon we're going to have a few more events in Asia soon. Remember we had 
Dominic on a few episodes back, and he was hinting at a few events coming up. So let's hope. More opportunities for adventurers to branch out. Mama of hope. I've now done all the volunteer jobs on offer. Next time my volunteer is number 25. Well done, Mama of hope. She is going to be the proud owner of a aubergine shirt. Still don't see many of them around, do you, Mel? No, you don't. And I'm making um, a concerted effort, if I've got a choice, to wear my milestone shirts, even to run in. I'll, I'll choose my 25 volunteers over my 50 club until I get that hard-earned, long-fought-for 100 club shirt. Which is just, it's, I can see it. It's within my reach. I ran in my 50 club and on so Saturday. And so well done to – did you? I did. I, I, it was neglected. It was in, it was in my drawer. <laughs> well done to – I thought, oh, I'm going to bring out my 50. Anyway, irrelevant. Go. Uh, are you going to interrupt me again? No. If I start it again? No. Well See, done the thing is, members. I look good in red. <laughs> I, I should do it more often, that. but I just, you know, I got a hundred now and I got a twenty-five. But no, no I'm that's sure it. red you makes go. you go faster. <laughs> well done to the members of the ERC who received their certificates today for completing the Ponds Park Run on Saturday. I love how these guys take it to the school and, and they reinforce the positive experience Parkrun is during the week. Let's take it over to Facebook. Facebook's taking off for us, isn't it? It is. People love Facebook. Jen Pollard had a great girls slash running weekend away with some friends. On the weekend, she was clocking up some more Ks for Run India and doing some Parkrun adventuring down at Balyang. And then they headed along to the Hocker 1-1 series down in Anglesey, where I was. And she enjoyed the beautiful views and great company. She's not referring to me as the great company. I think she's referring to her girls' weekend. But I was there. You never know. You might have had a stalker that you didn't realise. No, I can guarantee that. But <laughs> I did do the Hocker down at Anglesey. Great, great event again. Remember we talked about this? First time I've run down at Anglesey, and it was lots of fun. Awesome. Caro Voss had some different kind of fun. She was volunteering at Dawesville Park Run this Saturday and has now helped out at every park run in WA. Congratulations, Caro, on becoming a WA volunteer statesman. Great job. Yeah, well done, Caro. And getting lots of love from her WA counterparts too, which was also nice to see. Bree. Tried our hiccup remedy on her sister-in-law, and it worked. I'm surprised she doubted it, but to clear things up, yeah, she <laughs> she went with your technique, not mine. Yes, but you know, why try one that is not scientifically proven when there's another one that has been tried and tested? Because mine involved running. <laughs> We're a running podcast. It's not always convenient. To go for a run when you have the hiccups. I, if I get the hiccups, it's usually not when I'm wearing active wear or have a certain amount of time available to just go for a run. This doesn't compute with me. <laughs> so you can always go for a run. This is why I live my life in shorts because it's, it allows you the freedom to go for a run whenever, wherever. <laughs> you put pants on a man, you restrict the opportunities to run. How is it for girls, ladies? 
I I don't know. I don't live my life in shorts because I freeze in the office where I work every day. So I end up wearing scarves and long long pants because I can't cope with the air conditioning. Crazy. Sunshine Coast and you own a scarf. I know. They they overcompensate with the aircon in my workplace, unfortunately. I have been known to have a heater under my desk, which I do use in summer at some times. Sue Devlin checked in and said, this is the official sunrise link from Rhodes Parkrun. Great advertising for Parkrun. You saw this video, didn't you, Scotty? I did. I had a quick look. Michelle Bridges did a great job promoting Parkrun. And if, if you look closely at the footage of the runners, you might see some well-known Parkrunners in there. And how was Mark called a court's effort when he became a Victorian statesman down in Portland? He drove the 800-odd K to do it. Fantastic work, Mark. Well done. And Kirsten Ellis also said on Facebook this week, as a single mum, it's necessary to have long run Monday instead of long run Sunday. At this moment in time, I'm number one on the Parkrun Adventurers Strava leaderboard for the week. Had to take a photo to go straight to the pool room. I know exactly how you feel, Kirsten. Not that I've ever been number one on the Strava leaderboard. However, at my anniversary every year, because I've volunteered more than everyone else, it always puts me straight on the top of the leaderboard in the points competition. So I generally take a screen grab of that because guaranteed the next week I won't be on the top anymore. This was my favourite post of the week too. I love that she seized an opportunity and knew that maybe that was her only opportunity to be at the top of the leaderboard. But also that she's proud to be there. Absolutely. And it's she's a very running, cool leaderboard. Yeah, she's running a long way on a Monday too. Well done. Skipping over to Twitter, we had a very fabulous tweet from somebody we just heard from a little while ago. Tom Williams, oh, I'm not going to say the past tense of tweeted because <laughs> I've been told not to. Tom Williams said, just spoke to Mel and Scott for their brilliant Parkrun Adventures podcast on all things Parkrun, now dreaming of doing my first Aussie Parkrun. These updates happening in real time. They are. Thanks again, Tom. And we only paid him a little bit of money to say that. He's done a lot of Parkruns. We didn't bring it up with him. It's surprising he hasn't done an Aussie Parkrun yet. We must raise that with him next time. And Ross Pentland, who's mad for a bit of Twitter action, he tweeted, Hillier harder parkrun courses make you stronger. I reckon he was at Wilson Botanic for that one. And I reckon he was responding to our conversation last week about the hilly harder parkruns when we were talking to Bill. Procrastinations shared a fantastic vintage pic of the Sun Super Run from 1984. And I'm assuming Procrastinations, that was his finish. That was his finished photo and said the running shoe of choice in 1984, KT26. So people are loving the Dunlops out there. I've still got to hunt down a pair. I did say I was going to find some, but I just haven't been around many Kmarts lately. But I'm going to add the KT26 to my repertoire. So where's the cake this week, Scotty? Do we have any launches happening? No. We've had a few weeks without launches. What's going on? Oh, somebody must have decided that we have enough anniversaries to keep us busy. And we do. We've got three this week. We're heading to Bega in New South Wales. They're having their first. 
and they're celebrating sport as a theme. That's pretty cool. People can show up in their active wear and all their their jerseys from... <laughs> well, everyone who comes is participating. Well, this is true. Inverloch in Victoria are having their second anniversary with an under-the-sea theme, which I love because that just takes me straight back to the future. And our third anniversary is Wynnum in Queensland for their fourth anniversary and anything goes there. And anything goes because four-year-olds, when they choose what they wear, come out with some pretty interesting stuff. So we'll love to see the photos after that event this weekend. And that takes us to an end of another Parkrun Adventurers podcast. Make sure you look out for, we're going to have a survey. We're going to throw a survey at you guys. So we want you to go on Facebook, look up the survey later in the week. We're going to pick your brains. We're going to find out, do you prefer laps? Do you prefer out and backs? Amongst other, an assortment of questions. So make sure you come monkey around with us. Yes, that'll be on Facebook later in the week. Or if you're listening to this three months after it happened, you missed out. You should have been listening three months ago. (laughs) It was the best survey. No, somebody might have only just discovered us. The best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The second best time is now. 